You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I had an amazing conversation with Morgan Lander and S.J. Jones about Kitty Pig. There is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! Hey, how's it going, folks? I hope it's going great. I might sound a little bit funny right now because I have a cold, but, you know, it's okay. I'm getting through it. Things will be fine. Eventually, it'll be okay. Um, let's see. A little bit of an update, kind of an interesting situation. This episode was supposed to come out next week, but had a few things come up, and it got leapfrogged to this week. But you will hear me mention something that happened uh, in, in this episode that happened during the recording of the episode that was supposed to come out this week, which was with Brady and Seth from Old Blood Noise. That will still be coming, but had a few technical glitches that had to work out in the actual file. So this one went perfectly. So here you get Jamie Stillman of Earthquaker Devices, and the event that I'm describing that occurred during the recording of the Old Blood, Old Bloyd, Old Blood episode was my, uh, well... My house got smoked out. It got smoked out due to some turducken grease that got left in the in the bottom of the oven, and then there was a mistake made, and the autoclean was pressed at some point, and basically the whole house got smoked out. And so everything is currently, as we speak, actually, actually as I record this, it's getting packed up and shipped off, and uh, yeah getting scrubbed and cleaned and it's it's a whole process that I I I didn't quite realize how in depth it was but it's a uh, it's quite in depth. So that's what we're talking about. I I touch on it briefly during the episode, but that's that's what's going on right now. So we're living in a hotel and trying to keep uh, keep the content stream rolling as best as I can. But never fear. I know what you're thinking. The guitars are fine. The shred shed is its own its own entity, its own separate dwelling, so no smoke got into any of the guitars or amps or pedals. It's a completely separate deal. So that's the update from the Wyland world. I should probably update you on some other things, like Gun Street Wiring Shop. Gun Street Wiring Shop out of Bend, Oregon, for all your guitar wiring needs. You need a new harness? You go for it. You need a, you need to upgrade some things. Maybe you want some push Paul. Push Paul? Don't push Paul. Paul wouldn't like that. Paul's my dad, actually. My dad's name is Paul. Don't push him. Anyway, you want some push-pull pots uh, on, you know, say you want to do some coil splitting on, on your Les Paul. You know, they can make that happen for you. You Maybe you want to uh, you want to get wild. You want to get some series par- parallel series p- 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 parallel stuff going on. That's a doable thing. I mean, the sky is the limit, and Sean is your man. So go to GunStreetWiringShop.com. And give your guitar the upgrade that it so very much deserves. Also, no episode would be complete without talking about sinusoid, sinusoid guitar cables. Made by real humans that when you order it. Did you know that the cables are made to order? They don't just have things just laying around collecting dust. 
No, they're made to order. When you click that button, they get to work. So you can you can know rest easy knowing that your cable that you custom built in their custom cable builder is right to your specifications and made by a human and you know probably with a little fairy dust sprinkled in there too because that's just the type of company that they are. So make sure and check out the custom cable builder at sinusoid.com and outfit yourself in the way that you truly deserve. Do it. Do it. And last but not least, I want to just remind you about ToneMob.com slash Reverb, where you can check out anything you want that's available on Reverb. Anything at all. And a little percentage of that comes right back and helps the show. So next time you're shopping on Reverb, remember to type in ToneMob.com slash Reverb into your browser, and that will direct you to the normal old Reverb site. You do whatever you got to do. You log in, you shop as normal, it doesn't cost you anything extra, there shouldn't be anything else you have to do, and a small percentage comes back to help keep the show going. So, what? I mean, it can't get much better than that. You're already shopping on Reverb anyway, probably. So, ToneMob.com slash Reverb, and it'll help keep the wind in the sails. So, without further ado, please enjoy this one from Jamie Stillman of Earthquaker Devices. Boom. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to... Uh, I forgot to turn my stupid heater off. Wait a minute. <laughs> Just That's a good start. That's a good intro, right? Everyone yeah. loves that. One second. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the ToneMob.com podcast, the show about guitar tone and the people behind it. I'm your host, Blake Wyland, and with me today, I have none other than Jamie Stillman from Earthquaker Devices. What's happening, Hello. dude? Not a lot. <laughs> that sounds like a lie. You said you had a busy week. Yeah, you know, I've had a week full of meetings. It's Friday. It's almost five o'clock, and I have accomplished none of the things that I should have, you know, accomplished i guess i know the feeling i know the feeling very much so i i think i told you already i had a serious derailment this week yeah so my house <laughs> is smoked uh but i've i've told a bunch of people in the facebook group but for everyone who doesn't know while i was recording the old blood episode last week i uh, uh my wife accidentally smoked our house out with the <laughs> turkey grease so we're living in a hotel but fortunately, the shred shed is a separate building, and so I can still come out here and do this. None of the none of the guitars were damaged. So. Hmm. Good. That's good to hear. None of my Earthquaker pedals were damaged either. I think it was probably Brady's fault. That's my guess. That is a good assumption. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with that. Well, it could have been Seth. They were both there. Yeah, Brady seems like the troublemaker. He's quiet. He's real friendly. <laughs> There's, you know. There's something dark in there. There is. There's something something behind those eyes. You just don't know what it is. <laughs> Good times. Those beautiful eyes. He's a beautiful man. Mm-hmm. That is well. We'll get into that later, though. That's a that's yeah. A whole, that's a whole other topic. <laughs> I think it's probably a different podcast. <laughs> no, probably not. <laughs> this thing, anything goes almost. Um, so let's just start. You know, from the very uh, the very beginning because i actually don't know the full story as much as i would think that i would um okay about about earthquaker devices and about you yourself personally as a musician and you can start from 
way back when you first started playing or wherever you feel appropriate? Uh, well, I, my first memory of playing, I was like five years old. I, I think I have a photo of myself with my first drum set. Nice. From them. Yeah. And that was like, that's my primary instrument really is drums. That's what I played forever for as long as I can remember. Um, my uncle Danny taught me how to play the drums. He was in a band. I believe they were called the jet set. And I used to think it was really cool. So he would, you know, let me, I don't know, beat on his drums poorly. Uh, <laughs> and that's like really my first interest. And uh, I, I, I really think from that point on, like, I was just sort of like, I'm going to be a musician. That's what I'll do. And I never really thought about <laughs> doing anything else until I went to college for graphic design. But even then, I was, you know, still in bands. Um, and that's really my background. Like, I, I, I was just touring in punk rock bands from the time that I could, like my senior year in high school, until I was about 30. <laughs> nice. Yeah. 30. That's how old I am. Oh, nice. I'm 41. Oh, well, you're not far off. No, but I feel like I'm 100. <laughs> I've heard that a lot. I don't know when. Yeah. How do you start feeling like you're 100? I, you know, I think I felt like that my whole life. I've always felt older <laughs> than I actually am, like a cranky old man. That's what my wife says. She says I'm an old man in a young man's body. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard to get by. Is that what like Julie that. says? No, she just yells at me for complaining about everything. All the time. <laughs> like, I mean, every day is just a series of like, oh, my back hurts. My fingers hurt. My tiny ankle bone hurts. I don't know. I'm always complaining about something. Nice. Nice. It's a, yeah, a horrible trait. But, you know, I've been doing it for so long. It's hard to stop. Got to get you. If you're, you're in that much pain. We got to get you on some of that Diamond Dallas Page yoga or something. <laughs> Yeah, that sounds good. <laughs> yeah, why not? I mean, it, hey, he said it. He said it works, right? Yeah, I, I went to. Uh, I actually went to uh, a couple Pilates classes with Julie. Um, and my experience with Pilates is it's like exercising while someone yells at you for how bad you are. <laughs> I couldn't go anymore. I would hurt myself every time. That sounds. That sounds hard. It sounds really yeah. hard. Really. <laughs> Anyway, not to derail, but so you you were playing the drums, primarily yeah. still do, and touring yeah. in punk rock bands. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I was in a, I was played drums in a band called Harriet the Spy, and that band eventually became New Terror Class. And we toured all over, we toured a lot, um, uh, mostly playing in like people's bedrooms and living rooms for like five dollars. You know, we played an odd retirement home here and there. <laughs> the, oh, I'm sure they loved that. Yeah, we had one week of tour one time where we played a bomb shelter, a retirement home, an Indian reservation, and then a Bonanza steakhouse. That uh, you guys have some serious range there. Yeah, I don't know how it happened. I know I had to move <laughs> the salad bar to set up my drums. And uh, we are not <laughs> the kind of band that like anybody in any of those places would like to see. But we did it all. Well, you know, uh, That's amazing. <laughs> Yeah, and then in like uh, 95, I started a band called The Party of Helicopters, and I was in that band for almost 10 years, and that's the band I played guitar in. Um, and uh, that band broke up like 2003 or 4-ish, and I started uh, tour managing for the Black Keys. I just kind of like morphed into that role 
I kind of went out as friends. And then by the end, I was a tour manager by title. <laughs> that's kind of insane. I'm a big fan of that band, by the way. Yeah. So that's pretty awesome. Yeah, I've known uh, Pat forever since he was like 16 or 17. Did you guys uh, grow up in the same? Well, I guess you did, didn't you? 16 or 17. Well, yeah, kind of in the same area. He is from Akron and I was from Kent, which is there like 20 minutes away. But he would come out to Kent. Uh, we had this bar <laughs> called, it was called the Genesis or something like that. Maybe the library. I don't know. But they had this night for five cent beers. No, five cent hot dogs and 10 cent beers. Oh, wow. So, so you can imagine the quality of it. And you know, we actually <laughs> had met him there because he used to show up and dance. And like he was real young and he had like a fan club of like college girls that would like, bring signs. And <laughs> I don't know. We just thought he was ridiculous. Like he's this gangly, nerdy dude. He was really funny. And then we invited him over for an Easter beer hunt at our house on Easter and uh, I've been friends with him ever since. That <laughs> is so crazy. Yeah, he used to come see our bands and stuff. And we had a band for a little while, too, called Drummer, like 2008, 2009. I play guitar in that, too. Was it kind of trippy to watch them become, like, one of the biggest, you know, touring acts in the, well, probably in the world for a yeah, time? Yeah, I, I would say I, I didn't really see it coming. But, you know, they worked super hard and, like... You know, Pat's really funny and he jokes a lot, but he's he's was a seriously hard worker. So I'm not surprised that they got somewhere. Like I was like by default, like the person who got everything done in all my bands, and I did the bare minimum because I I was and still am like the kind of person who like feels really gross doing any kind of self promotion. Like I don't like going out being like check out my band or check out my pedals. Everything's awesome. Like I'm more of a hey, I'm in a band. You know, you could check it out if you want. I guess. <laughs> I guess you know, I was never like a go getter with that, and uh, you know, he was right off the bat. So like everything that he ever did was you know he was successful at doing it. Well, that's interesting that you say that about yourself because you know, you know, <clears> the first <throat> time I met you was at Nam, and of course you personally come off that way. But you've got the most epic uh, pedal booth at Nam. Like, huh. like it's like, whoa! Look at the EQD booth. Whoa! Yeah, you know, like everyone's like, whoa! Look at that. That's crazy. Yeah, I am into design, and I, you know, <laughs> I feel like I know how to make things that like look cool, <laughs> like something that looks inviting. But you know, Earthquaker, uh, I, I designed the pedals, and you know, it started out with just me, but. Now it's, you know, the responsibility of a lot of different people and everyone's really good at, you know, their particular job and what they do. So it's, would you, would you say that kind of, um, like the personalities isn't, it's not just yours anymore. It's, it's everyone's that works there. So to, yeah, to a degree. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. That's very and, interesting. You know, like more so on a public facing thing. You know, I guess Julie and I kind of set the vibe of Earthquaker. And in as far as I can see from the inside looking out, like not a lot has changed. Like how, you know, our I guess you would call it our brand. I hate that term, but like our brand identity <laughs> really hasn't changed since it started. I mean, we kind of have always I have the same sense of humor and that has continued on. A lot of our friends work for us and they're a lot like, you know, we all kind of think alike. So I don't think a lot has changed. I think people have done a good job maintaining the uh, the vibe. Yeah, <laughs> they were they were like going for. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Which is just us as a company. It's just <laughs> like, you as people. It's like, yeah, it's it's our personalities corporatized or whatever that word is and like uh yeah sure i'm not sure what the term would be it's all kind of blended together let's, and, and let's go with corporatized because that sounded like i knew what i was saying until i said whatever <laughs> okay well i'll buy it that's fine with me yeah sure <laughs> so you were a tour manager for the black keys how long were you doing that uh i think i i started i got hired in 2004 four or five just to drive their gear from Akron to Seattle. And I kind of went with them for a little bit of that trip. And then I think I started a year later. So probably 2000, somewhere 2005, 2006 until 2010, I want to say. Somewhere in there? 10 or 11. Yeah. Yeah. Right up to the point that they started playing in like, arenas (laughs) arenas <laughs> that's when you know they needed a professional who could actually be there all the time that's interesting so did did earthquaker as a as a you know start did it have anything to do with you know that band kind of blowing up and them using some of your stuff or or how did that work mm, i think initially that was probably some interest uh i can remember being on harmony central and people asking, like, you know, about something that Dan was using. And I was like, I made that. And that did generate some interest. I got some interest from that. But as it progressed, I, I really I, 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 I don't like to use things like that as a, a stepping stone, I guess. So I tried to minimize my involvement. In fact, I think this might be the most I've ever talked about it <laughs> in, one, in one sitting. Uh, but... Uh, they kind of ran parallel. And I mean, I'm sure it helped. I'm sure it helped. But was it a goal? I mean, you already said you didn't want to use it for that. But was Earthquaker, a lot of people in this industry, let me, yeah, let me back up a little bit. Okay. A lot of people in this industry, act, so they sort of, they start this thing and they, they kind of just see where it goes. And, but some people are intentional when they start out with their business. Yeah. Was, was, which was you, I'm assuming you kind of, started it and it became a thing rather than you forcing it into becoming what it is today. Correct. I had no intention as starting a pedal company. I, you know, it, it really was, I just made, I had to fix one of my pedals. I thought it was cool. And in like looking for the schematic, I found general guitar gadgets and I, you know, used that to build a clone of the pedal that I was fixing. And then I just kept building myself pedals. I got obsessed with it. And at the time, like, my life was really conducive to that. I had a really great job as a freelance graphic designer where I only worked for a single company from home. Uh, our first daughter was born. And, you know, I was, like, at home with her and doing this design job. And in all my free time, just kind of learning about electronics and building pedals and stuff. And then, you know touring the other half of the year it was just kind of set up to like really explore that hobby um and in really i mean prior to earthquaker i ran a record label that i started when i was 13 and i ran that until like my mid late 20s oh wow i did not and, know that yeah you know, it was called donut friends records um and uh, i put out like i mean close to 100 releases most of them were cassettes but a lot of records uh near the end and uh that was a similar thing it's sort of like i will always take some hobby that i'm really interested in and just inadvertently turn it into a job 
uh, <laughs> with like re- without really putting any huge thought into it. I've never written a business plan. Uh, I've never had a loan to start anything. Like I've never really done any of those things. Um, Earthquaker by far has been the most successful of all of those. And I mean, it's really all the people who are around me who really keep pushing it. I mean, you know, Julia is a huge part of Earthquaker. And what, yeah, that would be, you know, maybe she needs to come on by herself sometimes, but yeah, she should. <laughs> but, uh, what, what, what is her day? Like, I know you do a lot of the design and obviously have, yes. you know, that, gra- that graphic background, which kind of informs what everything looks like. I'm assuming. Right. Yeah. What does her kind of day to day look like? Uh, it looks like a nightmare. Oh, no. <laughs> it's just like oh, no. phone, phone call after phone call and meeting after meeting. I mean, she was really kind of the hub of the whole business. You know, when she, she came on in 2012 and just took over the whole business side of things. And uh, I, it was like way over my head at that point. You know, like I, uh, I was I had been in over my head for a couple of years, I think. Like I'm just not equipped to really I'm more creative than I am like uh, business minded. But, you know. Uh, she's just. I don't know. I don't even know how she does it. Like, I don't even think she knows how she does it without oh, completely losing her mind. But you know, she's kind of, she's, she's the boss. She's the one that everybody like. We have over fifty employees. They all go to her. Like, she's in control of everything. She handles like she's handles like all the marketing. Not you know, she doesn't do it all herself, but she's the one that everybody reports to. Um, at the end of the day, we're the ones who make all the decisions for Earthquaker. But, uh, you know, it really kind of boils down to she runs the business. I design the pedals. That's that's the, the pretty uh, much how it works. Yeah, the structure, so to speak. Yeah, it's really interesting. And and I think I mean, it sounds like that's a that's a really good, you know, team effort between the two of you and, and everybody that works there. But 50 employees. I did not know you had that many. I knew you had a lot. That is a lot. Yeah. Yeah, it is a lot of employees. <laughs> it's so many, and we could use more, but it's out of hand. It's a lot of birthday cakes. It's so many birthday cakes. I can't touch birthday cake at all. I like the second I put a piece in my mouth, my body starts like convulsing. I can just feel it racing through. I think, oh my no! No, no! Yeah. Yeah, I can't. Calm just takes over. Yeah, I can't do it anymore. I. I mean, I. You know, I might be kind of weird, but I don't really care about birthday cake. You know, I'm a, I, I'm, I'm a main course type of guy. Yeah, yeah, I'm a, you know, I'm a fan of pie. I think I'm a fan of some candy, but I just don't, I don't know. I can't do the cakes anymore. Like the Costco birthday cakes, like hurt my teeth. Yeah, it's not that we get really fancy. You do. Cakes. You guys get legit. Yeah, this uh, girl Laura. Pop and Goose Bakery. She makes all of our cakes for us, and uh, they're out of control. <laughs> they look amazing. Yeah, they are. That's crazy. Well, I mean, for the listeners who don't know, but they probably do because I'm sure lots of them follow your Instagram. They do birthday cakes for seemingly all of the employees because it seems like it's someone's birthday every day, almost. Yeah, we do. When people get hired, they actually have to fill out a form for what kind of cake they like. Nice. That's so awesome. Yeah, it's called the Brad Thorla Claus because he hates coconut and he got coconut one time. So now we have people. <laughs> that's kind of funny. Yeah. 
So when was your first kind of aha moment? Like this could be a real, this could be a real thing. Uh, <laughs> it was when I like, it was probably like late 2007, early 2008. I was working like 14 to 16 hours constantly and <laughs> to a point where it was like, my arms don't work and my back hurts constantly. Uh, and I was like, oh, this is like a full time job now. Right. I sh something else has to go. And uh, really, I don't. Uh, I, the first thing to go was my graphic design job. And that was kind of a hard decision because, you know, paid well. And it was really easy because it was like corporate graphic design. And I was involved in the development of the branding. So I could just do that stuff in my sleep. <laughs> but right. it was the least fun of all of them. I think in hindsight, it really probably should have been the tour managing. They went first, just all the travel. And we had two young kids and everything. But, uh, you know, that was that was probably it. That was when I was like, oh, this is a thing. And I feel pretty confident in it. And then, like, I think another turning point with that was 2010 when I actually hired my first employee, Jeff Franz. Oh, wow. And that was scary to me because I was like, you know, it was still like there'd be months where it would be amazing and then months where it would be nothing. And it was like. Uh, you know, I, I definitely need help, but I don't know if I need full-time help. I don't know how often I can pay you. And like, he worked there for one week and then was like, you know what? You need somebody here full-time. Mm -hmm. I'll make it work. And, you know, it only made sense. Like when I had somebody there to help me get orders out faster, we started selling more stuff. So it was, you know, shortly after that, we started hiring one person every six weeks, six months, six weeks, I think. Yeah. Until by the time we moved out of the basement, we had nine people. Wow. That's, and then, that's, that's a fast track. Yeah. And when we moved out of the basement into our first shop, uh, we were there for about two years before we moved to our current shop. And we hired like almost 30 people in those two years. One, one uh, we hired eight people on one day over, I think, Christmas 2012. Oh, wow. Was it just because the, the holiday rush was just so insane? You're like, we we have to, we have to. Like, yeah, I was like, do you have hands? Do you have eyes? Great. <laughs> Come in and build pedals. You, do you have a rap sheet? We don't care. Come yeah. Come in. Uh, we, we had a couple of people who worked here who I was like, who is that? Did they just wander in off the street? <laughs> <laughs> well, he's got soldering iron. He's, you know, she's wrapping boxes, I guess. Yeah. I mean, His whole head is covered in tattoos. Can we trust him? I don't know. <laughs> uh but yeah, I don't know. I mean, it grew really, really fast. What do you attribute know. that to? I, I have no idea. I mean, I wish I knew. I'd like put it in a book and like try to sell it on an infomercial or something. But, <laughs> <laughs> I could, yeah, I could totally picture you doing that. You'd be up there, no. you and the Sham Wow guy. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, we. I did make a lot of stuff that just didn't exist at some point or another, like things like the afterneath or rainbow machine and stuff like that. I mean, in the boutique world of stuff like that, you know, there wasn't a lot of that kind of stuff around. And I think that people just thought it was really interesting. And then like all the people we had working here were really proactive and like on top of it. And, you know, we were always answering emails any time of day or night. You know, always on the phone, always being easy to work with, with dealers and customers and like, you know, just being the kind of business that we would like to deal with. 
Um, and it just worked. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I wish I did. <laughs> I will say, yeah, the Afterneath was my first EQD pedal. And I, I remember when that came out. Um, like, for some reason, that that pedal is very vivid to me. Like, I remember, mm-hmm. like, I had to, I was like, looking, where's my Earthquaker dealers? I got to find them. Uh-huh. Like, okay, well, all, right. all right, I guess. Okay, there's a Centaur guitar. All right, I'm going to leave work early so on a Friday so yeah. that I can go drive completely out of my way to pick this up. And I remember <laughs> sitting in my car with it, and I'm going, why is this the first Earthquaker pedal that I have? Like, <laughs> like I was like, I, they, I should have had one by now. And then I got some more, but it was, but well, it was you. a really weird feeling. I remember that, that pedal in particular was the first time I was like, why is this the first time I've bought from this company? Yeah. I mean, that pedal was definitely like a turning point for us, for sure. That was the winner that we hired all those people. Uh, I mean, and it still is for us like a very big seller. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, having things that are unique definitely attracts people, I guess. Um, and then, you know, I, I think that they're very usable to in musical and unique and musical don't always go hand in hand. Even the rainbow machine. <laughs> you know, that's, that pedal is like sort of, it's like the bane of my existence, but it's also, uh, <laughs> it's also like one of our most popular pedals, but it's like, <laughs> it's like, you know, uh, we, uh, I don't know. I still get people like, yeah, you know, if only anyone could ever find a use for the rainbow machine and stuff like that. It's kind of funny to me because I've seen people use it a lot, like in really musical ways, but I know also that it's easy to just make that magic wand sound to make your drummer laugh or something. <laughs> and like, that's all people think it's good for, but it is another one of those things that like we're kind of known for. And, and if there's one pedal that, you know, a casual pedal user knows us for, it is always that. And they're like, you make those noisemakers, right? Like, uh, and like 50 other things, but, it's also not a noisemaker. And then I feel like I'm that guy who's like, but wait, but it's also a chorus. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. I was just giving you a hard time. Cause I, no, I, no, I, I know I've, I've played it, you know, I like, I'm like, Oh yeah, I get it now. I didn't really get it until I played it, but I, I get it now. Yeah. There's days that I don't get it. I mean, I didn't get it right away. I was like, tr- I was trying to make something else. And, uh, what were you trying to make? Just a pitch shifter. Okay. And, uh, you know, the data or not data corruptor, but the uh, bit commander was the first thing. And I was like, okay, that's cool. But I kind of wanted something polyphonic. So that uh, FV1, which is the little processor that is in there, mm-hmm. uh, was relatively new at that time. And I'd been screwing around with it. And uh, I just kind of found like initially that like feedback loop magic wand sound and was like oh that's cool and then like how do i control it and make it the same and that was sort of the trick so i spent a really long time like finding out the right game for it and the right filtering and the right way to feed it back and all this stuff and then i got it done was like okay this thing is i don't know (laughs) but i left it on the breadboard because i just thought it was cool and like people would come over and i would you know let people play through it and everyone was like man i don't know what i'd use this for but it's awesome and eventually I just decided I'd make a pedal out of it. And I still think, you know, whatever, 
eight years later, nine years later, people are still like, man, this thing is cool. I don't know what to use it for. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. It's got magic on it. You know, what more can you ask for? Yeah, you don't need any. You just need magic. That's all you really need. But I, you know, whatever. I, uh, uh, (laughs) I'm happy with all the pedals. I just know that that's the one that people are always like, oh, they make that thing. All their things, (laughs) all their things must be like that thing. I don't think people really think that. You know, I'm pessimistic by nature. I I really, there's no way that people, well, yeah, you told me that. You did tell me that. Yeah. I, I, I know that people do think of you guys as making unique products, though. And that is a lot better than being known as the magical tube screamer people, in my opinion. No, I agree, too. And like we, I don't, I just don't know. I think for a while, I just never cared like what it is that people thought about us. And then you hear it a million times. It's, it's, uh, you know, we travel a lot to meet with our distributors. We try to get with them all like once a year all over the world. And, uh, especially outside of the U S people are like, you're just known as experimental. And I, you start to get the sense that that's a negative term. And like, I never thought of it as a negative term until lately where I'm like, man, I wish people would quit saying that we're experimental <laughs> because there are people who are way more experimental than we are. I think that, you know, we have a lot of unique things, but they're all made to make music. I'm a pretty traditional guitar player when it comes down to it. Um, but I just like to be able to make weird sounds every once in a while. But I would say, you know, 75% of our line is pretty standard. Oh yeah, definitely. Definitely. But it, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's hard to change people's perception sometimes when their introduction to you is better yeah. something out there. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I just never really thought about it too much until lately. Like when we, like I said, when we've been traveling and all these other people's like perception of us is, is experimental and it kind of me, I feel, I get the impression that it's like not negative, but it's sort of like, mm, you know, you're not you're not boss or something. I don't know. I don't know what I'm trying to get at with it, but well, I I think I know what you mean. I mean, I've talked to enough people that have, you know, when you get into bigger retailers the way you have mm-hmm. and and other companies that are in that, you're kind of exposed to a a customer base with the big box retailers that are way more traditional than Oh, yeah, yeah. than you probably are. They're like, "Can I play can I play uh, Clapton on this? Yeah, yeah. Like, and I'm not saying that's a bad thing. It's no, just- no, of course not. I mean, I think, I mean, I'm definitely, and I think most people at Earthquaker are definitely more informed musicians. Like, we listen to a lot of different kinds of music and are definitely much more <clears throat> experimental in our musical tastes. But, you know, I, just, I do like a lot of just traditional rock music, and I kind of, that's really the kind of guitar I play now. I mean, it's not... Eric Clapton by any means. It's more like, you know, shreddy, caveman y, prog rocky right. noise, I guess. But like, God, I've never described my own music like that. That's terrible. That was awful <laughs> description. Caveman y, prog rocky. I don't, I don't know. know. I like Jimmy Page and I like the boredoms. I don't know what to tell you. Like, I, I like all kinds of stuff. That's <laughs> like, I guess my point. But it's like, uh, you know, I kind of come from a, like a punk rock background and like our kind of whole thing is sort of like, 
you know, and it's always been this way, even before earthquakers don't really care what other people are doing or what the trend is or what the industry standard is or what you need to do to make money or any garbage like that. It's like, what is the thing that we like and what do we wish there was more of in the world and how do we wish people were? Let's just do that. Let's just do the thing that we want to happen. Right. And uh, sometimes it's hard to convey that to, like you said, like some of the bigger retailers and things like that. It's like, you, you know, do you really need to have another tube screamer in here? Do you really need another, you know, whatever, fill in the blank clone? Or, you know, do you want something that falls in that family but is unique? I don't know. Yeah, it's a it's a really that's one of the toughest things I imagine for some companies is like, what do we come out with next? I don't think you guys seem to have that problem. It doesn't seem like there's any idea shortage over there. No. And, I, you know, a lot of that is just because it's kind of coming from one place. It's coming from from me and I'm fairly prolific uh, with designing stuff. I don't you know, once I was able to, like, free up a lot of the other things. I just kind of went crazy making things. So we were working from a backlog of stuff for a long time. And, uh, you know, at any given point, I have like eight or nine projects that are like 90% finished. And now, like in the last few years, we've really kind of tightened up our release schedules. And like we have a plan for the year and everything like that. And the plan is not like a goal, like, you know, monetary goals or sales based or anything like that. It's like, okay, you know, we got a lot of people working here, a lot of different departments. We need to have like a release schedule. It's like, you know, roughly this time of year, we'll put out a pedal. So I know when I need to be finished with things and it's way in advance of release date. So like things that will come out like in April are already done. You know what I mean? So, you know, there's no way to follow a trend at that point. <laughs> That's, this is true. This is true. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, I guess it's not really a thing I care about. And, like, if if you look back in, like, the history of, like, Earthquake releases, you'll see, like, it totally follows, like, whatever it is that I'm interested in. Like, we'll have years of just fuzz pedals because I love fuzz pedals. And then there'll be, like, years of reverbs and delays because that's what I was really into at the time. So, I mean, it's still kind of on that. It's that path. I'm still making all the stuff. Um. And that's, we don't really have too many plans to stray from that at the moment. You said the magic word. What's you that? Said, you said fuzz. Yeah. Which uh, <laughs> is my one of my favorite things of yeah, all time. Yeah, me too. So I, I posted in my Facebook group before. I, I don't do this. I'm starting to get a little better about it. I almost always forgot to do that. And, and then people would be like, why didn't you ask him about this? Yeah. Why didn't you ask him about I'm like, oh, so I've actually pulled that off successfully twice. Oh, so cool. I got a, a couple questions. Okay. I, I said I was going to grill you. Um, and because people in my group like food just as much as they do guitar pedals. Okay. A lot of people took that to be uh, cannibalistic. Oh, uh, so I just want to I just want to clear clarify that I'm not going to eat you. Yeah, that kind of grilling. Yeah. Some people were started suggesting different dry rubs, and I was like, I don't think it's like that, guys. Yeah. So, and you think I'm kidding, but that actually is what's going on in there. So. I mean, you probably wouldn't need I'm like coffee-soaked all the time, I think. And, oh, that could be really good, actually. And cigarettes. I, t- I probably taste like someone's a grandma. <laughs> Tender, then. That'll yeah. work. Yeah. That'll be good. <laughs> 
Um, so, but a couple of the actual questions in here, um, since we're talking fuzz, uh, okay. Juan Ortiz asks, uh, what is your favorite fuzz? Uh, fuzz face. Although lately it's kind of shifting to a tone bender. Interesting. Yeah. I don't know what it is about fuzz faces. Like I will never get bored making that circuit. <laughs> I don't know. Which was it? Which pedal was it? Was it that you guys did, released one? Was it the Eruptor? Or was it something else that it was like? This is Jamie's perfect variant. It was the the Eruptor. Yeah, yeah. The tag, is that still true. The tagline for that is "Perfect Fuzz." Just saying. Back oh. back when I was really into making taglines for pedals. Uh, yeah, it's still the main fuzz I use on my pedal board. But you know, I change. That stuff constantly. I I build myself a lot of things. I kind of every once in a while I'll post them on my personal Instagram, but I make myself stuff all the time. And a lot of it, like I'll play like a couple times and be like, mm, "That's not right," and then I'll just put it away and make another one later. But mm-hmm. I think the fuzz face might be the my most like breadboarded circuit ever. I will. I don't know why I never get sick of making that. It, it just always sounds different, you know temperature makes it sound different the transistors make it sound different there's so few parts in it but they all matter i don't know i don't know what it is i like that circuit a lot i, I love the way very it sounds yeah. yeah all right that's a, that's a good answer that's a that was a very solid answer because i would have said uh I don't, I don't know that's what i would say yeah i that. mean like in terms of like anything that's like on the market today i really like uh the Death by Audio Apocalypse. Mm-hmm. And then I got a special Fuzz War at NAM two years ago, and I don't know what the difference is between that and the stock one, but something about that one I just like a lot more than the one you could buy at the store. Those are two go-tos. Uh, on bass, I play bass in a band called Fringe Candidate, the Jext Tellies. I think that's how you pronounce that company's name. I don't know. The I, yeah, I haven't figured that out yet. The Dizzy Tone on bass is the best sound i've ever heard a precision bass through that into an ampeg svt is mm. the best bass sound ever that sounds i i can picture what that is in my head and i think <clears throat> i like it yeah so those are other people's fuzzes i like a lot i guess <laughs> nice all right that was that was a good one let's see we got a, uh, another good one I don't, I don't know if this is going to be an easy one to answer or not, but because it's it that you've built so many, yeah. as you described, so many different prototypes. Yeah. But uh, Lake Lawson asks, what's your weirdest failed prototype? Oh, it's, it's an ongoing failure. Uh, <laughs> I've been working on this thing for like six years. Wow. It, it, a version of it pe- appeared in, uh, we did, we have like a little mini movie documentary thing that, knobs made Mm uh in somebody somebody froze the screenshot it's on there for a second it's called uh sonic reducer it's got knobs for always and never uh it was a version of it that i thought was done and then we got all the parts in and the circuit boards and i made two and was like this sucks we're not putting it out um and it has morphed over time. That version of it, I think, was like four controls, yeah, four pots and one toggle switch. And now it's still on a breadboard. There's like two rotary switches. 
10 toggle switches, 15 knobs. I don't think I'm ever going to finish that pedal. Oh, man. That sounds so fun. I don't even know what it does, but I want it. Uh, it's designed around uh, <clears throat> uh, chip. God, I hate it when people use the term chip. It's designed around an IC for... Uh, <laughs> it just was, makes me hungry. Yeah, it was made for... Uh, for like robot voices for like those gut like those uh megaphones that change mm-hmm. the pitch it's really just a phase lock loop that you can tune uh sounds awful it's an awful awful sounding 8-bit processor uh but i'm determined to use it and like through, <laughs> you know when i started this you could still find these parts mostly through like uh part brokers and ebay and now I can't even find any more of them. So, like, even if I did finish this thing, there's no way we could put it into, like, full-scale production. But I am determined one day to finish it. <laughs> you have to keep me posted on that. Yeah, I'll, I'll take it out, like, every six months or so. And for the first hour, I'm like, this thing is amazing. Like, what is it that I hated about this? And then I'm, I will always be like, ah, this is what I hated. <laughs> oh, I found it. There it is. <laughs> yeah. Ew, that's gross. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's one. That's it. Really bums me out that I <laughs> I couldn't get get it done. <laughs> but you know, there's a lot of things. I uh, most of the stuff that I start out trying to make fails miserably. Yeah, I mean, isn't that the case with every endeavor, though? Yeah, like, I think people so. only see the end result, not all of the blood, sweat and tears that goes into it. Yeah. Even yesterday I built, God, oddly enough, a fuzz face. I'm getting really good. I've been practicing a lot on just building stuff on strip board, like mm-hmm. old timey style for me. And uh, I don't know. I think it's fun. And uh, I built myself a fuzz face yesterday because I got these old bc transistors in and i wanted to see what they sounded like and like i assembled the whole thing and before i left i like plugged it in and it didn't work and i was like you gotta be kidding me like <laughs> i've been running a <laughs> pedal company now for like 13 years and i can't build a fuzz face that works the first time jesus <laughs> you <laughs> know it's just it yeah. is what it is yeah i went home disappointed uh and I still and complained. You complained yeah, about it. I didn't didn't complain. In my head I did. I felt defeated. But uh, you know, it uh you know, I'll figure it out one day. <laughs> hopefully. Hopefully. Yeah. Or maybe not, you know, and that's fine too. Yeah, yeah. All right, let's see. We got another we got a couple more from the group and then I'm just gonna close that down Facebook and just talk because that's more fun. Okay. Um uh so what is the oh sorry i like to tell people's names when i know their names okay uh, i also don't know how to pronounce his last name so sorry will uh will lehu or lehu i don't know i've never known will we've talked a million times on the internet but i don't know how to say your last name <laughs> what's the story behind the data corruptor the story behind the data corruptor uh phase lock loop shares a lot of similarities with the schumann pll um <clears throat> Mostly just in the way that it does the frequency division and multiplication. And in uh, really, I just wanted to build kind of like a fuzz synth harmony thing. And uh, I found this book. I can't remember the name of it. I think I reference it in the manual for it. 
but it pretty much had that same way that uh, the Schumann PLL does its division and multiplication. Uh, so I kind of use that as the stepping stone, the starting point, and then spent most of the effort in coming up with the preempt to it, just the gatey fuzz preempt, something that would shut off when you weren't playing so it wasn't constantly oscillating. Uh, right. And that's really it. I've never played a Schumann PLL. I know very well <laughs> that it's kind of functionally similar. Um, that's really about it. Uh, I spent a lot of time on that preamp section of that pedal, though. <laughs> Trying to get it tuned just right to cut off at just the right points. Yeah, I mean, there's... I have, like, page after page in a, in a notebook of, like... It's it's kind of funny because you can tell how angry I was getting like in my in my <laughs> notes for it because it's like I believe I was just calling it CMOS connector over and over again so it's like CMOS connector and then the next one's like CMOS connector works and then CMOS connector really works and then final CMOS connector <laughs> and then, <laughs> then like a this I don't know it's really ridiculous uh, <clears throat> but yeah. That's kind of it. I feel like I could have gone on more with it, maybe made it a little bit more elaborate, but it already seemed like it was pretty confusing. Um, But I do plan to kind of explore that pedal a little bit more. Nice. In the future. All right. We got one more, and I don't know this guy's name because it's on Instagram. So, uh, but his account is Dark Star Gear. Mm-hmm. And I think this is kind of a funny question because I don't necessarily agree with this, but okay. he said, um, what made you want to work on a flanger since everyone else apparently seems to hate them? <laughs> I don't think that's necessarily true. I am. A, I'm a big fan of flanger myself. Uh, uh, so um, I can I got some thoughts on that. I think I do think most people hate flanger. Uh, I spent a lot of time working on that pedal. And, uh, you know, the pedal is, you know, 99% digital and I'm not a DSP guy, but I have a guy who is a genius that I work with. So it was like a lot of just, you know, I come up with a concept, I dictate like what it is that I'm looking for. And I kind of just sit next to him while he punches in the numbers and we go at it like that. So we spent two years working on that pedal. I think at NAM 2017, I want to say, yeah, NAM 2017, we had a version of it there that I, you know, wasn't on display, but I was showing it to people where I was like, it's done, it's ready. And then it wasn't. We spent another year on it. Uh, Really worked that thing to death. And my goal was to make it like super interesting, but not overwhelming. And to kind of have like the vibe of an ADA flanger. Mm hmm. Mixed with kind of like a bunch of other things. Like there's an Ibanez. I think it's the 301 Flanger. Those are the two that I really liked. In the process of doing that, Paul of Paul Reed Smith fame recommended to us that we should check out a, uh, I think it's the Gaia Tone Flanger. I think that's what it is. And then that, we got that as like a cheap $40 Flanger. And that kind of became like a whole new bit of inspiration because it was a really interesting sweep. And it was kind of just like going back and forth between all these vintage flangers trying to find that sound like where it's like distorted but not 
you know, it breaks up mm-hmm. the right way and it's like pleasing to listen to. It's not too grating because flange is awfully grating. It's not a thing you want to listen to all the time. And I can tell you that for a fact. <laughs> As somebody who listened to it all yeah, the time. I, from work, we worked on that thing together for like two years off and on and I got PTSD from it. Like, I just can't, I can't, I've canceled doing two demos for it (laughs) oh no i just like i don't know like it just it wore me out uh i'm really happy with it but uh it's just uh it is not a popular style of effect and sales can definitely reflect that uh um it's not a failure but it's you know not not terribly hot oddly enough though it's one of the most requested things from us. People were writing all the time, like, when are you coming out with a flanger? When are you coming out with a flanger? The only other thing that we get asked about more is a wah pedal. That seems like such a weird request from, I, I don't, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but you don't strike me as a guy who's super interested in wahs. Nope. Didn't think so. Nope. I think we have similar interests. I'm not interested <laughs> in Waz at all. I have a bunch of them because I want to know like what it is that people like about them. And periodically I'll have them on my pedal board, but I just use them as like filter sweeps. I'm never like wawing or whatever it is that people, what is it? What's it called when you use a wall all the time? Wawing? Wawing? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Hendrixing? I'm not yeah. sure. Yeah. I'm just not that kind of person. I'm not like launching into a solo finding my right cocked wah tone like i just i'm not i don't know uh but if anything i wasn't like a tube screamer dude either but we got asked so many times which one's your tube screamer i think just because you know that's what boutique pedals are synonymous with tube screamers mm-hmm. that eventually julie like for like the thousandth request like hung up the phone i still remember this she hung up the phone and was like you need to make a tube screamer. I don't care if you don't like them. We get asked so often. We just need to have something. So I was like, okay, challenge accepted. How can I make something that I like out of something I hate? <laughs> so, you know, in doing so, I learned to like the tube screamer. I figured out why people like it. Like, I get it, but it's still not a pedal for me. Um, but I, I like our Palisades. It's an overblown <laughs> tube screamer. And I don't even know if you can really get the tube screamer tone out of it to a T, but I'm happy with it. Um, that makes me interested in working on a wah pedal. It's like, how can I make one that I think sounds really cool? I gotcha. Like, yeah. What, what is, you know, if, if I'm going to have one that I like, how yeah. can I, how can I figure that out? Yeah. And I kind of feel like in the back of my head, I know what the answer is and it's not actually making a wah pedal, but a sweepable bandpass filter with a little bit of resonance in it. Uh, because I love the DOD FX 17 and that's what that pedal is. I'm, I'm almost positive. Very interesting. I love those old DOD pedals. Me too. They're so fun. Yeah. That's like, I don't know of, of all my old of favorite, like pedal or, you know what I mean? <laughs> of all the pedal companies, that's kind of my favorite dod like the ones that were in the big metal in like their first line yeah totally well even up into the 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 well i mean the stuff they kind of closed out with was totally different and awesome but yeah, yeah. i'm, I'm kind of talking about 
the same stuff, the old ones. Yeah, like the DoD 250 and the compressor and the chorus and all that stuff. I love all those things, especially mm-hmm. the phaser. The phaser is amazing. The 4, uh, the, 490. Yes, yes. I was going to say the FX65 stereo chorus does not get enough love, in my opinion. Yeah, I got to check that line out more like when they kind of went into that enclosure style. I'm not terribly familiar with those. I got the. I think you'll be you'll be pleasantly surprised. Yeah, I got the meat box. I had a buzz box for a while, but I can, you know, I didn't like it. <laughs> <laughs> I can what? You can what, Jamie? You can do what? <laughs> uh, you know, I just didn't you know, like it. I yeah, didn't like I did. I lit it on fire. <laughs> That's good times. That is really fun. So what do you I think you kind of answered it in different ways throughout the throughout the episode, but maybe in a little more uh, direct way. Mm-hmm. Where do you see Earthquaker heading in the future? Are you always going to be doing pedals? I mean, you, you did call it devices. It feels like you could do other things. Yeah, we should make other stuff. Uh, yeah, we probably will make other stuff. Um, it's kind of getting to that point. There's a lot of people. Uh, with different interests at Earthquaker, like we got you know, people who are really interested in pro audio gear and modular synth and amplifiers and things like that. And, uh, we'll probably, I can say with almost certainty, explore other categories in the future. We dabbled in amps a little bit, but as it turns out, you cannot manufacturing amps and guitars or sorry, manufacturing amps and pedals don't aren't really as similar as it seems like it should be (laughs) no 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 (laughs) they're definitely not yeah and i mean we did everything in-house like the woodwork tolex everything and uh it was a real undertaking and i think that if we explored again we'd have to go another route but um it was it it was certainly fun i'm personally i'm kind of interested in pro audio like exploring that route I know it's like the studio is, you know, pretty much dead, but it's held my interest for a long time. One day I'm going to eventually get to it. It's dead in some ways. And in some ways, some ways it's, it's very much alive. I guess if you look at there's now, yeah, there's the big expensive recording studios are getting fewer and far between, but there's seems to be more and more, small studios and home-based studios. That oh, for ever sure, before. for sure, for sure. And uh, I mean, I, I think especially in that world, there's a lot of room for uh, just a lot of room to explore. I mean, everyone makes preamps and compressors and EQs. There's got to be something interesting that can still be done. <laughs> Something something you could bring to the table, you think? Yeah, that or, I mean, even if we did end up making preamps and EQs, like, you know, they'd be useful for us. I'm sure they'd be useful for other people. But, you know, we don't have any, like, real plans, concrete plans for, like, what to make or whatever. But those are th- areas of interest. Um, probably not garage door openers, then. Probably not garage door openers. I don't think we'll make random devices, but probably music-related ones. <laughs> You know, at the, controls. Yeah. No. At the moment, I mean, we're very, very busy with just pedals and that's will, you know, always be my primary focus. Um, but it would be both good <laughs> and uh, I feel like very interesting to explore other areas. Cool. Very cool. Yeah. Well, 
we got just a, a few more minutes on the the main episode here. Mm-hmm. Uh, thank, thanks for doing this, by the way. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, but now is kind of the opportunity I like to give people to put up a billboard, so to speak. If you want to tell people where they can go find stuff, or if there's just something you want to say to everybody, it's something you just want to get off your chest for some reason. Now's it. Now's the time to do it. <laughs> I have so much I want to get off my chest. You could put up a billboard and put like anything you want on it. Oh God, I'm so bad with stuff like this. But uh, I mean, I guess if you want to find more about, if you want to find more about Earthquaker devices, head to w w w. <laughs> Wait, what? What's he gonna say next? Dot e a uh, yeah, you know, <laughs> I'm on pins and needles right now. <laughs> EarthquakerDevices.com or find us on Twitter or YouTube or Instagram. Instagram is definitely probably the most fun to follow. It is for sure. Instagram's the best. Yeah. Who has time for anything else? Really? I don't do. I don't. I, I have the other things, but if it's really funny, if you go to Instagram, you're like, oh, this tone mob thing is a thing. If you go to Twitter, it's like, is this who is this a thing? Yeah, yeah, I don't understand any Twitter tweeting, twatting. I don't understand what it is. I've never been able to figure it out. Like, why? I don't know. I don't know. But, you know, actually, I'm not even going to start talking about this. (laughs) Oh, no. Oh, no. (laughs) What is it, Jamie? Well, I think it's, uh, you know, I kind of apologize and I also do not apologize at all if like you're a Trump supporter. But like I think that's all I used Twitter for was to see what crazy thing he was talking about. And then eventually it just that's all that's what I think about Twitter is like I'm gonna find something horrific and weird. And so now I just don't open it. <laughs> I think you're well, that's not an entirely inaccurate statement. <laughs> that you uh, Twitter is a place to find horrific, weird things. I feel like that's, that's pretty pretty accurate. Yeah, that's kind of the whole point of the internet in general, I think. But, uh, you know, uh, I don't know. I don't know what I, what I have to say, I guess. Is that it? Yeah. <laughs> that's it? Yeah, thanks. Basically, go to earthquakerdevices.com and Twitter's a dumpster fire. Yeah, I think that that sums up my final uh, very nervous thoughts. <laughs> okay. Well, no, but, but, you know, thank you for having yes. me. And, yes. of course, for checking out our pedals. Of course, of course. Uh, the, that's, not the, that's not the worst question, though. This is the big one. Okay. This is the, this is the one that people get a little bit more. They're, little, they're usually hesitant to answer. And uh, it's made or, make, it can make or break a company, I'll be honest. It's, uh, okay. It's I kind can't of wait. Deal. Can't wait. Yeah. What kind of pizza do you like? I am just plain pepperoni. Thin it's crust, just, thick crust. Uh, hmm. Not too thin, not too thick. Just probably a New York style pizza. Mm-hmm. I have to say that there is like every other building in Akron is a pizza shop. Ooh. And maybe like, I need to come to Akron. Yeah, we have so many pizza shops, so many hamburger shops. Uh None of them really nail it. I don't know what it is. Like we have a very specific kind of pizza in this area, and it's it's mm. it's sort of hard to find a good one. I think a good New York slice. Yeah, a friend of mine has a pizza shop called Lucci's Place, and it's it's super good. 
Like you, you just, yeah, you didn't even break a sweat with that. You knew, you knew mm-hmm. you, you're a man who knows what he likes. Yeah. He's going to say, I like pizza, <laughs> I like pepperoni pizza. And you can all go fly a kite if you don't like it. Yeah, that's right. You can go buy a Digitech if you don't like it. Yeah. Well, for a while, <laughs> for a while, for a little, for, you know, the, the next couple weeks. Rest in peace. <laughs> yeah. It actually does make me a little bit sad. I thought they were doing some really cool stuff there. at the They end. really were. They really For were. everybody who doesn't know, uh, and I've found a shocking amount of people that listen to this that don't know, Digitech is shutting down. So if there's anything that you've wanted from them but haven't gotten, you're going to have to go get it because yeah. it's gone here pretty soon. Yeah, DOD too. Go buy the Rubberneck. Rubberneck's brilliant. It's a sleeper. It like 100 bucks. Yeah, it's I. it really blew my mind, I got to say. I do this weird thing. Here's something I'm going to get off my chest. Okay. I do a real weird thing. I buy pedals on amazon all the time that is weird just so i can see what they sound like and then i return them whoa i don't do it for like research i guess i need to clarify that i'm it's not like i'm buying sure. pedals for like reverse engineer to turn into sure. earth like yeah you know you got me but uh the <laughs> no you know <laughs> i'm curious like i still play guitar i'm still a nerd i like gear but it's like, I don't think I'm going to want to buy them. And, you know, I don't really care about Amazon. <laughs> so <laughs> buy pedals from Amazon and return them. But I did that with the, the rubber neck. And, like, it was one of the few pedals in a long time where I was like, oh, my God. Like, why doesn't anybody talk about this thing? Because it is amazing. It's the rubber neck is fantastic. It's a really cool pedal. I talk about it. You guys go get a rubber neck before you can't get a rubber neck anymore. Because yeah. they're awesome. Totally worth it. And an afterneath. Get that too. And an afterneath. And a rainbow machine. Yes. Tell get me, all that stuff. Tell me how to work it. <laughs> tell me tell me how it doesn't work. Yeah, send me an email about how much you don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> all oh, right. <laughs> I sound like such a jerk. Oh. <laughs> well, how do you, what do you think I do every week on the internet? I sit on here and sound like a jerk all the time. That's what I do. Yeah. <laughs> uh. You know. All right, well, I'll go ahead and wrap this section up. Okay. So for Jamie, this is Blake, and as always, folks, good luck and good tones. Mm-hmm. There you have it. That one's in the can. That has been a long time coming, so a huge, huge thanks to Jamie for sitting down and talking to me for quite a long time, actually. If you want to hear more of this conversation you can go to patreon.com slash tonemob and sign up for the $5 level, and that'll get you fresh episodes every week. Extra Tone Mobbery. And in this case, it's an extra 45 minutes with Jamie Stillman. So who doesn't want that? I mean, come on. It's great stuff. So you can go check that out there. Make sure to check out all the pedals at earthquakerdevices.com. And don't forget to come hang out with us in the Tone Mob Facebook group. Don't forget to, you know... Shoot me an email if you want. Shoot me a message. Shoot me a carrier pigeon. I don't care. I want to hear from you. I want to hear what you like, what you don't like, who you'd like to get on the show. If you got a favorite artist you've been wanting to get on the show, maybe you should like drop a little note in their social stuff. Be like, hey, you like gear? You should come on the Tone Mob podcast and talk about gear. I'd love to talk to more artists and more folks and people and yeah, all that good stuff. So until next week. Bye. Oh, wait, there's one more thing. Not bye. Not bye. Uh, Julie is going to come on the podcast. 
we got that all organized. We're going to try to record it this week, so it will either be coming out as the next episode or the one right after that. So that'll be cool. I anticipate that's going to be a little more businessy, but I know lots of you like that kind of stuff too. So I'm really excited to talk to Julie and see. I don't I don't think she gets... Uh, everyone in the industry knows how much work she does, but I don't think the general public knows how much she does. So I think it will be a very, very interesting episode. I'm really excited to talk to her about it. So just wanted to keep you looking out for that one. And yeah, that's it. Because I'm tired of talking with this cold. I sound like an idiot. All right. Have fun. Talk to you next week. One last thing before we totally sign off here. I just want to remind you that if you do any shopping at Stringjoy, that's Stringjoy Guitar Strings made in Nashville, that will help me out as well. As I've said for years, I'm heavily involved in that company, and I really do think they're making the best products on the market. So if you would like to try custom strings, go to ToneMob.com Stringjoy and check them out today. I seriously, seriously, seriously love what the team down there is doing. I help them out with all kinds of things, and by you supporting them, you are also supporting me as well. And hey, you need some strings, so why not get some custom strings just for your guitar and playing style? Again, the link for that is tonemob.com stringjoy, and that will take you right to their website, and you can do all your shopping through there, and that will help everyone involved out. So thank you very much. Talk to you next time. We are brought to you by the wonderful folks at Gun Street Wiring Shop. Yes, Gun Street Wiring Shop. I've talked about them before. I used to say based out of Bend, Oregon, but guess what? Sean moved to my neck of the woods. Sean's in Portland. Sean is awesome and has helped me with a bunch of stuff lately. And if you have wiring needs for your guitar, he can help you too. If you want to get weird with it, he can get weird. If you just need to spruce things up a little bit, there's your guy. He takes all the guesswork out of doing your guitar wiring, and he makes it simple and his customer service is top-notch, and I can't say enough good things about Gunstory as a company. I really respect Sean and what he's all about, and the product is top-notch. I've got three different guitars that now have Gunstreet harnesses in them, and I could not be happier. So go to GunstreetWiringShop.com and check them out.